With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hot Mike with Hunt and Withrow underway. The Friday edition is here. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Eha Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Join us on YouTube in the chats. Subscribe to the channel while you're there. Just search out OutKick. You can ring the bell. Be alerted when we go live each and every weekday at this time. Plus, Chad's he's ready to go. He's typing away already. I'm to, fired to up. Those there. Uh, appreciate you uh, joining us across uh, this great radio station as well. If you're listening this afternoon, our goal to get you to the weekend the July 4th weekend, uh, as quickly as possible over the next three hours. We have hit the home stretch, everyone. I hope everyone has a great time celebrating our nation's independence on this 4th of July. Long weekend for some. If you have to work this weekend or on the 4th or on Monday, um, do your best with it. But know that on this day, as we work, Hutton, our lone job is to make it a faster and more fun time for you for the next three hours to get you to this long weekend. Chad Colin Kaepernick's lone job is to keep his name out there. You know, his, his value is, is through promotion and the idea that he wants to get back into the NFL. He's through Sports Illustrated saying that, well, his comeback continues. He's going to keep pushing and going to keep uh, clawing and fighting to, to find a roster spot, uh, saying that he continues to train and work out and doing what he can to, to get out there. He says he, he looks forward uh, to reminding people of what he can do out there, look forward to an embrace, and I look forward to the day that I get to step on the field and show people what I can do. Uh, Chad, if you wanted to play football, there are other outlets for that to prove this in live action. Uh, we've seen other players do that. Antonio Brown didn't do it well, but he was doing it in an arena league. Uh, I'm not saying that Kaepernick has to do that, but there are spring leagues galore now to choose from uh, instead of just constantly saying that you're training and trying to get back to the league. And as you've long stated, he's more valuable not in the NFL than in the NFL for the Kaepernick brand. The Kaepernick brand is one of being a victim. Uh, That is the main brand that he is selling. So in order to be a victim, it profits and benefits him to be victimized by being blackballed out of the NFL if you can continue to claim that. So the more he can say that he wants to play football and football is important to him, wants to play in the NFL, I'm with you, Hutton. Someone who that football is important to them would take an opportunity to play in the USFL or the XFL. They would go that route and show that they could still play the quarterback position. He hasn't done that, and Colin Kaepernick is going to make a lot more money by writing books and television shows as the guy who got ousted from the league never to return because of his strong political beliefs. Whether that's right or wrong, I I believe it's completely wrong, and I don't buy most of what he's selling. Um, That's what is profitable for Colin Kaepernick. So it actually benefits him more to not play football right now. And Hunt, it's a great point because he's shown he's not willing to play football at any level. It's NFL or nothing for him. Yeah, and you know, 91 players, if you count the the 
European players that are signed for the extra roster spot, the bonus roster spot right now. 91 players across uh, NFL teams going into training camp, and he hasn't played since 2016. That, that's not living in reality. Uh, if, in fact, you want to play, you can prove it in other areas. Chad, uh, I got to thinking about the, the NFL gambling policy. There's a lot of different variations of strong takes for or against the, the current policy where players are being suspended for six games for, for betting on anything other than the NFL. They can do that. They just can't do it on team property, which includes a litany of different places. Uh, Wi-Fi, for instance, if you're using that while sitting in the, the facility's parking lot, you can't do that. And while I agree with the NFL policy on betting on the league, there is this understand—I believe—a universal understanding that a one-year suspension, even though technically it's it's indefinite, they can apply for reinstatement whenever the new league year is about to begin. Calvin Ridley did that; he was reinstated. He was then, you know, reinstated with Jacksonville, not Atlanta. If and it, this is happening across all platforms, sports leagues, whatever. If this happened in Major League Baseball, how would this be treated versus how it is treated in the NFL? We're still living in a sports landscape where Pete Rose is banned for betting on the Reds. Meanwhile, you've got players that are betting on the NFL, in some cases, Calvin Ridley, betting on his team as part of a parlay, and the one-year suspension, which I have no problem with, seems validated and warranted and it fits whatever's going on here because you want to uphold the integrity of the league. But isn't that what Major League Baseball proponents say about what took place with Pete Rose? And it's not just Pete Rose. If it happened with a player today, I'm curious how it would be handled because they have to follow whatever, they're, whatever they've been standing up to with the whole Rose saga. And we know it's happening. It's happening on a much larger scale, and it would be treated way different in reaction in the media compared to, again, I'm not for coming over the top for guys that are betting on the league. I think the one-year suspension without pay is fine. That's punitive. But far too punitive is what we would see in Major League Baseball if this went down. And Pete Rose uh, only bet on his team. You know, he didn't bet against his team that he was managing in uh, right. the, with the Reds at the time. So, you know, he How wasn't. Do you think it would be? He wasn't throwing games. What do you think the response would be if if that happened today in baseball, or we yeah. talk about with, the, with football? If, if if Acuna was was found that that he was betting on Major League Baseball on an app, betting on the Braves to win. Like how how would that be treated in the realm of how dare you try to change the history and the you know the stats of the game you know versus the way things are handled in the NFL and by the way it also goes for PDs. PD, it's a, it's PD a really is a good six question. game suspension. It's not looked as though you're never getting into the Hall of Fame. I think it's a really good question. Um, I, I think probably. Most leagues will handle suspension similar to the NFL. I think if you're seen to be even, you're betting on your team. You're probably going to sit out a year. I, 
Pete Rose is just the – there are so many things that as times change yeah. and values change that we look back and say, you know, maybe we were a little too hard on the, this person. And other times we say maybe we were a little too lenient on this person based on changing times, the way you view things now versus years ago. Pete Rose is one that, I mean, got a raw deal. If you look at it in terms of today, Calvin Ridley, you know, he's hurt. But betting on with uh, player props and parlays involving his team, he gets one season, and, and Pete Rose is a lifetime ban from baseball. So I think that the optics of it as they change with all of us and our ability to go on our phone and bet on any sporting event at any time, that's a big part of it. When Pete Rose got popped for it, it was seen much more as a seedy underbelly, yeah. calling your bookie that you know you, that uh, had on a big trench coat and you had to go meet somewhere in the darkness in an alley and give him your money for the bet. So it was very different in Pete Rose's time when he was betting on the game. But that's a good question. How, how I mean, will baseball handle any type yeah. of scandal like that now as opposed to then? Because any attempt for him to be reinstated by baseball has failed. But I, I wonder, I've also thought, like, if this did happen with a player now, and would that almost help his cause for reinstatement based on the reaction? I honestly don't know how the reaction should be or could be any different than how we're, we're, we're reacting to Isaiah Rogers or, or, or uh, uh, Jamison Williams. Well, Jamison Williams didn't bet on the, on the league. Isaiah Rogers, uh, Calvin Ridley, and there's a, a handful of others. But it, some of those guys aren't on rosters, which we'll get to. But Calvin Ridley is. He's going to be a huge performer for Jacksonville this year, a year later. It doesn't seem to me that other sports are all that interested in finding out the activities of their players the way the NFL is right now. So you can give the NFL some credit for doing their due diligence with the sports books and the betting apps yeah. to find out what's going on because I'm hard-pressed to believe there's not one Major League Baseball player that doesn't bet on MLB games, even if they're not involving his team. So we don't know about baseball players yet. And I'll say this, if let's say, you know, Ronald Acuna was betting on the Braves on his FanDuel app or whatever, and he got suspended anything less than a lifetime, they should lift everything with Pete Rose well, immediately. That, that would be the immediate cause to yeah, if you're Pete Rose whatever say, he's been about. The time served at right. this point for Pete Rose. Times have changed. If our new standard so. is one full season for that that you miss, then Pete Rose has been freed from his purgatory in baseball right outside of baseball hell. So I, I, I kind of agree with the players who find this policy very confusing. Um, it, it should be a hard and fast rule. It, it's a stupidity rule if you're betting on the NFL, right? I think that's, that's loud and clear. Where, where and when you're betting is a bit different to me because not every state has this. What, 38 states, I believe, have it, but not every NFL city has this. Boomer Sison's on the opposite end, just saying it's a load of crap. Like, it's, it's on the players. And we mentioned yesterday it's on the NFLPA. Uh, meanwhile, you, you have Jonathan Jones, who's uh, with uh, New England. He's blasting the policy, saying, like, hey, I understand rules are rules, but I'm risking my life so that I can help my team win. Meanwhile, I can't bet on my team. I can't bet $1,000. I can't risk $1,000. Uh, to help my team win, or, or on my team to win, but I can risk health to the, the difference here it's it's 
It's the integrity of what we're watching and what the NFL is selling that they're protecting. It's not the right to bet on said game or said team. It's just that you're involved in it as a player, as a coach, as a manager, anyone. And right now, the only people involved in the NFL, Chad, that can bet on anything are players. Everyone else is prohibited from doing it. Well, look, you know, when you start your tweet and your message with, I understand rules are rules. Well, yeah. okay. And then his, that kind of that kind of and trumps his union the next, allowed that rule. That trumps the next part of what you're going to say. It's a point well made. I can risk my life so that my team wins, but I can't risk $1,000 on my team winning. Understand what he's saying, but here's what he fails to mention. That ability to go out there and play the game and make really good money doing so is completely dependent on the public's support yeah. and faith that what they are watching is reality. And what they are watching is uh, the Hippocratic oath of sports of do no harm, that everyone's out there trying to do their best, trying to win the game at all costs, doing everything within their power to do so. And the moment that there is any inkling of impropriety, his ability to make money as a player goes down. Everyone else in the league's ability to make money as a player goes down. Mm -hmm. Coaches' salaries go down. Roger Goodell's uh, enormous paycheck he gets every year goes down. Everyone's affected. Owners are affected. So it's just a no-no. You can't do anything that's going to hit at the integrity of, of the league. Now, Boomer Esiason sounds like a boomer in what he's saying about these young kids and not knowing. I mean... I love this part of the quote, though, Hutton. Uh, he says, for the players out there saying, I don't know the rules, that's BS. I do know that the NFLPA should be putting it into their union members' heads. You can't do this. Here are the rules. We'll send them to you a thousand different ways. Email, text, TikTok, social media, whatever the hell else. DMs. We'll slide into your DMs the rules so you know what the hell is going on. Because that's where you spend most of your day anyway. In your freaking phone, he's saying to players. Um, I think it's pretty funny. It is a very much an old man take of what he's saying about guys not knowing the rules. I, I just, I, I get it. Like the, it's, it is on them ultimately to do it. I also think the NFLPA has failed them. If this is just sent in mass emails and you don't know if someone read it or not, if they understood not to bet on the league but didn't understand the team bus and all that stuff. Um, but ultimately, just eliminate a lot of this confusion by doing what, Hutton? What we've said over and over. It's don't bet on the league. Yes, just make it illegal to bet on the NFL because no one ultimately cares about an NFL player betting on a PGA Tour event, as an example. And six games for betting on anything outside of the league is extremely punitive. Uh, if And again, they can do it at their home. They can do it anywhere. They just can't do it at a team facility or uh, a place while traveling with the team or at a team hotel. Uh, and you know they had Brady cut a video for everyone to watch. It, it, it is six games is the same length that DeAndre Hopkins received for a PED pop last year. Uh, Cam Robinson received a four-game suspension for violating the PED policy, and that came down yesterday. While in theory, yes, the the PED test should impact a player more than betting on the UFC. The problem with the policy is not with the league. The problem with the gambling policy is that in reading up on this, the NFLPA just said, hey, uh, 
NFL, we're, we're not going to collect, collectively bargain this, this punishment. Just let us know what the punishment's going to be because we're all going to rake in the money through the advertising dollars and what have you. The other part, the PED testing and the violations, that is collectively bargained. First time you test is a up to a six-game suspension. Normally, it's a four-game suspension. Second violation, 10 games. Third violation is season long, but can, up, can be up to two years. Uh, meanwhile, they've practically done away with the marijuana testing. They're testing for it, but you're not sitting out games for it. And I mean, it's a stupidity test because between the months of April 20th and August 9th, they're not tested for drugs. So guess what? When you arrive at training camp on August 9th, you're going to have a piss test. It's a stupidity test based on that. But that's bargained through the, the PA. Meanwhile, they let the NFL come up with whatever they wanted here. And unfortunately for some of the players, there's tons of confusion. There's probably plenty more of players that are doing it but haven't been caught yet. More on that, the NCAA, and much more straight ahead. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Michael McHenry will join us in an hour. Looking forward to chatting with the MLB analyst, Pirates analyst. They continue to play well. Uh, the Fort with us uh, coming up in an hour. Plus, guns. The Gun Show. Mike Gunzelman in studio with us from Outkick.com. Hope everyone's off uh, maybe to an early July 4th weekend. If not, we're going to get you there faster here on Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow across the Outkick network. Chad, uh, so uh, Isaiah Rogers suspended indefinitely. You can apply for reinstatement. Former Colts cornerback and kick returner Isaiah Rogers. Uh, in the final year of his contract after being a sixth-round pick three years ago, uh, he's out with the Colts, just like uh, Rashad Berry is as well. And uh, Chris Ballard, general manager for the Colts, released a statement and said that they've made the following roster moves by releasing both of these players uh, as a consequence of the determination that these players violated the league's gambling policy, 
the integrity of the game is of the utmost importance. And as an organization, we will continue to ed educate our players, coaches, and staff on the policies in place, the significant consequences that may occur with violations. To each his own. But Chris Ballard, due to the integrity of the game, do we think that he would be releasing uh, Quentin Nelson or DeForest Buckner or Michael Pittman or Anthony Richardson based on the integrity of the game? Or do you think those, would be, those guys would be treated like Calvin Ridley? Because if you can ball, you're in the league. And if you can be replaced, peace. That's what it comes down to. It's not the integrity. It is optics. It is optics. But it's pick and choose here. And, and I will, I'm fascinated, Chad, for when it happens, when the player of magnitude, these guys, by and large, role players, when the star player is suspended, how it's treated, not just by Chris Ballard, by anybody that wants to point to the integrity of the game more than just the suspension, which is there to discipline a player for crossing the line when it comes to integrity of the sport. Well, I, I want to be the first just to give a, just a standing ovation to the Colts for really taking a stand for the morality of football and really sports and life in general yep. by releasing some bad football players. Uh, that bet on sports that really are no of no huge consequence and are not star players in the league. Bravo, guys. I mean, you really just everything that now, we want in America and sports, the Colts are representing by releasing these bad players. Hutton, you hit the nail on the head. If it was a guy they're relying on to have any success on that team, they are not releasing that player. They're, they're not, not waiving them. They're not getting him for a year, but they're – if it's of consequence to their roster moving forward and he's under contract, they're not going to They're not them. getting rid of him. Now, Isaiah Rogers, in reading and, and further details that have been reported about his bets that were made, reports are over 100 different bets on uh, NFL, on the Colts, a parlays, different things. Reportedly, the allegation is that somehow, and I'm, I'm also curious how they're finding this, that he did not use, he was funneling money to an account without his name knowingly and was betting that way. So he's clearly He was trying to circumvent the rules. Of the policy. Yeah. And, you know, he, he also, I believe it was a $1,000 bet on, as part of a prop for... A, a Colts running back on an over-under. He won that bet. I don't know if he predicted over-under. I haven't seen that reported. But, Chad, they're even able now to find players that are not using... I thought this was just players using their name on an account and making it obvious. According to what's out there right now, with Rodgers specifically, that wasn't the case. They found him, despite him not using his name on the account and just funneling money to the account on behalf of whoever's you know, alias was listed there. Well, and I'm assuming that it was his bank account information or credit card information Could that was be. putting the money in. So that would make it pretty easy to find it. Now, it is next level if it's you know a, my buddy's got an account, I'm giving him cash. What if, if it's that, cash, though? If yeah. that buddy doesn't roll over on you, then it would be very difficult to find out you know who was doing what right. if you went yeah. about it that way. But yeah, this is the kind of the next level of it. You can't plead ignorance to the rule. 
when you're clearly doing all of this stealthy work to try to avoid the rule. And you know the rule. And he broke it. So, you know, there's not a lot of sympathy there. But I will be curious to find out, you know, the Alabama baseball scandal wasn't done through that manager's account, that coach's account. It was done through a buddy in Ohio that he was calling and was walking up to a window and placing bets. And they got him with cell phone record information. They got him with his buddy on the phone when the call came in before a game and then a big bet being placed on that game. So they can get you any which way. But that would be a fascinating one, Hutton, if we found out that it was someone giving cash to someone. And unless that friend or someone they were giving the cash to decided to turn state's witness with the league on their buddy, that would be a difficult one to prove and find out. I I agree. And maybe we don't get to that point based on, you know, the the reading between the lines and all of the details and the legwork that would go in. Well, if you just paid someone a Venmo, like $50, $100, and you put in the Venmo in the note, it's like driving me around, giving me a ride to the airport or whatever. And then they come in and say, no, they were putting that money into an account and they were betting on it. That's that's a little bit more difficult to prove. Now, if if you want to, if, if NFL players want to complain, I'm really giving the league a lot of ideas about, on how yeah, to get around these rules. By the way, uh, don't it, pay too much attention to me if you're a <laughs> current NFL player listening to this show. And by the way, you can bet on anything but the league. Just don't do that. Yeah, uh, and don't do it on team property. Uh, it, the the NCAA players, the, the college football players, or any athlete for that matter. You want to talk about detailed and I mean, the NCAA is known for having a very thick rule book that needs to be way uh, you know, overhauled. Um, so their policy, it, it just it, I, I believe it was just straightforward. Betting by student athletes on any sport is prohibited. Uh, sport offered at the school, I believe, is the way it's worded. Now that it's, it, it's clarified a bit, but there's some nuance to it, um, you, you lose p- potentially collegiate eligibility if you bet on your team. You're, you're out for half of a season, up to 50% of the season, if you bet on your own sport but not your school. So you bet on college football results but not at Alabama or Tennessee or you know, Kentucky, wherever you're playing. Meanwhile, you, there's also penalties, 10% of the games left or different things for betting on certain aspects of collegiate Sports. This is where there are just way too many weeds to sift through with this policy. I, I, when I saw the headline of NCAA updating their gambling policy, it just blew my mind because I'm thinking, oh my goodness, <laughs> trying to legislate this many athletes across this many sports and the possibility for impropriety in different college sports we talked about it with college baseball. College baseball, A yeah. sport ripe for interference from gambling. And we saw some scandals this year with players and coaches involved in gambling and betting on their own games. It, it is, it is mind-numbing to think about the possibilities. I agree. Of what all the student-athletes – I don't have the number in front of me, but the NCAA likes to put out those – commercials about you know only one percent of our athletes will turn pro in their sport and the rest are going to go get great jobs and yada 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 and it's thousands of athletes think about trying to legislate thousands of athletes when it comes to online sports betting which is legal now i believe in 12 states but if it's legal in that state i mean that is difficult to do
And you can, if you're the athletic department, the sports information department, you can hammer it home all you want with every individual team and athlete that this is what is allowed, this is what's not allowed. We just recommend you stay away from it all you want. It's not going to stop some of it right, right. from taking place. You're just not going to stop it. Mad Dog Russo had an interesting uh, opinion. He's like, hey, you know, all these, uh, all the gambling discussion, NFL owners, he's like, who's to say they're not betting? Who's to say that they're not walking into casinos? Or and he, he referenced and giving his opinion on the policy and, and his rant, referenced uh, past NFL owners who, you know, certainly were betting on horse racing uh, and, and different things. And he, he names off guys that are like, you think they're not going to stop by and, you know, step into a casino and, and play a few. Goodell's not going to, you know, go have some fun. The, I, I understand where he's coming from on it because there's no policy for the owners. They make the rules. Goodell makes the rules. And again, the NFLPA allowed him to do this. Um, Chad, the difference to me is if an NFL owner walked into a casino, they're going to get noticed. If Goodell's there, he's going to be noticed. How many Major League Baseball owners walk into a casino and are known just by recognition? Not yeah, many. Not, not many. In the NFL, they're NBA, known. NBA, NHL, same thing. Yeah, Most the, the of them. sports fans that are at the casino would recognize them. That's the only thing that I think would, would be a red flag to this theory. But who's to say that, I mean, they don't have people within the organization or heirs to ownership that are doing it too that would not be recognized. When are we going to stop asking questions about, you know, why billionaires don't play by the same rules as everyone yeah. else? Well, but I mean, the, the simple question, answer though, to based this on is... the integrity of the league. It's, yeah, all, it's just optics, though. But again... Like, the, 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 yes, there are different rules for the players and coaches and team personnel as opposed to the billionaire owner. Right. Such is life. Every, nothing applies to the owners the same way. as It's their team. They make the rules. They write the rule book for everyone else. And you know what they intentionally do in that rule book? They take everything out that would be them in violation of something because they are protecting themselves and their buddies that own team. So, yeah, it doesn't surprise me. And Mad Dog can get as mad as he wants about the hypocrisy of it if they're gambling and this and that. And, I, I mean, look, it is. Yeah, it's hypocritical. But what are we going to do about it? Nothing. Yeah. And, and while Because they're the ones to change the rules if they want, and they're not going to do it if it negatively impacts them. So I stop worrying about things like this and just realize that, you know, billionaires play by a different set of rules than I, the rest of us. But I do think if it were public knowledge that Goodell would step in and do something discipline-wise. They would have to. They would absolutely have to based on their stance. With I everything. mean, it's a hard and fast. Maybe role. everyone but the player that's a part of any NFL organization can't do it. They can't step foot in a casino. They can't bet, period. Uh, meanwhile, there's this, you know, leniency for the players that are able to do it. Uh, Chad, uh, Michael uh, Rubin, CEO of Fanatics. He is the part owner of the 76ers with Josh Harris, who... Josh Harris and his ownership group have recently purchased, or they've come to an agreement on the purchase of the Washington Commanders that have, hasn't been officially uh, officially uh, rubber-stamped yet. It will be, I believe, July 20th. And I think Ruben is a past co-owner. I think okay. he, sold, he sold his small minority stake with Fanatics uh, because Fanatics is going to start a sports book. So he can't okay. be an owner, an owner okay. of a team. But he's been a partner he, owner of his in the past. And he knows Josh Harris yes, well. Knows and him he's, well. he's saying, hey... 
having known this guy and worked, worked with this guy behind the scenes for organizations, it's not going to take very long for the commanders to be really good, if not great. They're, I mean, in that division, they're winning more than what I thought they would yeah. with all the distractions that were going with on. With no quarterback, really. Yeah, and I mean, that's the piece because they have Terry McLaurin. Uh, they, they have uh, wide receiver help with uh, uh, Dotson. Young players that they can build around there. And in, in the backfield, Brian Robinson. One of the top players, if not for getting shot, he's in line for potentially offensive rookie of the year based on how he was thought to be playing and then how he performed when he came back. What, two months later, three months later? It was remarkable on, on the return. And defensively, uh, they're much better than what people give them credit for, especially up front. I, I don't think they're that far off, but you can make the argument for any team. The question is how aggressive will Harris be as soon as he takes over? And, you know, that all starts with quarterback because it needs to be better than Sam Howell. You could also make the argument for any human other than Daniel Snyder doing a better job than Daniel Snyder did as owner of that franchise. Yeah. So now we always just replaced it with just anyone. Imagine any rich person that buys that team, the force that this franchise could be, yeah. especially considering they're winning more games than we would expect without a quarterback right now, without a star quarterback. Now let's imagine Josh Harris is just a really good owner. What if he comes into the league and he's a top five owner in the NFL because of his patience and his smarts and his diligence and his work ethic and everything that Ruben is talking about, knowing about Josh Harris, wouldn't that be something? Because in my mind, I'm just always been comparing, man, anybody would be better than Daniel Snyder. Put anyone in there and the situation would improve. Now imagine if that anyone is actually really, really good. And that's maybe what the commanders have. It's a time for excitement if you're a Commanders fan for that very reason. Chet, at start of the fiscal year at the 1st of July leads to layoffs this time of year. Corporations, companies across the country. ESPN is laying off a bunch of recognizable names. Big names out at the four-letter network. We'll update on who those are. And Chad's got an interesting take on what it means moving forward in sports media. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Glad you're with us across the Outkick Network. Hot Mike with Hut and Withrow rolls on. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Join us in the chat on YouTube. Hutton, chat, you, you know the, um, the feeling when you just can't escape humidity? Yes. Wherever you go? That's today. I mean, we have air conditioning inside the studio, and it doesn't Thankfully. feel like it today. I can feel the humidity inside. That's how bad it is in Nashville, Tennessee right now. That is how hot and humid... Maybe. It feels like you were walking outside with a uh, breathing through a blanket when you're just m m in the outdoors right now. That's what it feels like. Like you've got a blanket over your head. 
Do you what? What do you think the conversation was, Chad, when our grandparents and great grandparents had a day like this? I think that because you just didn't know any better, <laughs> you know, it's like air conditioning probably just ruined all of us in oh, so many yeah. ways. Like it softened us up. Because think if you never experienced also improved the joy of air conditioning, right? I know. I know. I, I, I am I mean, amazed that, by like tales from my grandparents back in the day of growing up yes. without heat and air, and like you know, getting around a fireplace in your house is the only means for warmth in your home. Uh, just incredible. The greatest generation, them and everyone before them that had to live with no AC. My grandfather, you can put clothes on, you can't take clothes off at some point. Uh, if you need to uh, try to cool off. I, I am with your grandfather on this. I'd much rather be really cold than really hot. I, I tend to lean that way unless I'm really cold. And now, I would rather... being really cold is miserable also yes. in its own way. I mean, look, either extreme either is ne- never going to be pleasant. Yeah. But if I was a little bit cold or a little bit hot, I'd rather be a little bit cold than a little bit I'm, hot. I, I'm with you. Michael McHenry joins us coming up in about 30 minutes. Chad, uh, a number of layoffs today at ESPN. Big names, too. Recognizable names that are surprising to many. We knew that ESPN and Disney were going to have layoffs. It was reported earlier this month that these would take place at the end of the month, and here we are. And on the final day of June, Chad, list off for us who all is no longer with ESPN. So the list as of right now includes... It's 20-plus, right? Well, it's going to be 20. Uh, the number I have right now is at 12. Here's, here's a tweet. I think everyone that I have is listed on this tweet also, maybe one or two more. But as of right now, and again, this is uh, it's an odd story because the news is slowly leaking out. It's not all at once. Yeah. We've seen about every hour someone else is announced to have been laid off at ESPN. All on-air staff, but Susie Kolber, Matt Hasselbeck, Steve Young, Keyshawn Johnson, Max Kellerman, Jeff Van Gundy, Jalen Rose, Todd McShay, LaFonzo Ellis, Ashley Brewer of SportsCenter, Jason Fitz, a buddy of ours, yes, and June Lee, who is a Major League Baseball writer and on-air talent, all laid off at ESPN. Look, this is a bad day for all of them, so I don't want to make light of it. You know, these are colleagues of ours that work in the same industry, and it's tough when you lose your job for factors outside of your control, and these are financial factors with the Disney company and ESPN mm-hmm. that is outside of that those those members of the talent pool at ESPN totally outside of their control so i wish them well and whatever they do next um, but i think we got to get to a point and we talked about this a little bit yesterday with the reaction to the ESPYs and the US women's national team being being there not others and people getting mad about it and i said this then and i'll say it again today we have to stop going to ESPN for our sports validation. That has gone on far too long. And there were many years where that could have been the case. Your game's on ESPN, you made it to the big time. The ESPN talk shows are talking about you, it's big time. You want to get a sports center highlight. That's still a thing. In our common vocabulary, that's a sports center clip. That's a sports center highlight. You want to be on sports center. I get it. But the media landscape is shifting. And it is clear that ESPN, because people are cutting the cord, they are losing their you-know-what. Media rights that they are paying has spiraled out of control, and they can't keep up. And now a lot of good, talented people that make a lot of money at ESPN, I'm sure, on this list. They all probably do. They're out of a job because of it. 
And I'm not here to celebrate people losing their job. I'm, I'm pro people having jobs. But there's an opportunity here for many brands like an OutKick, like a Fox Sports, like a lot of other places, NBC, CBS, go on down the list to the smallest website covering some group of five football team in the Midwest, whoever it is. There's opportunities here in a changing landscape where different talent members of the talent pool and different websites and brands can really step into a void because I do think most people are conditioning themselves now to not think of ESPN as the goal or the end-all, be-all. Once you make it to ESPN, the worldwide leader, you've made it. That's the spot. That's the pinnacle. That's where everyone wants to go. I think that is shifting a bit. And I think as sports fans continue to not go to ESPN to validate their feelings on whatever it is, you're going to see more brands like an OutKick that we're talking on right now continue to rise. So while this is a bad day for everyone that got laid off, it's the old saying of uh, when one door closes, another one opens, or you crack a window at times. There's windows cracking all over this country right now. There could be some cracking for some of these people I just mentioned that have been laid off at ESPN. There is opportunity out there for brands to rise in the wake of what's going on at ESPN because while they are still the biggest and baddest in sport, Hutton, I think that's starting to take a pretty big hit as we move forward. Well, but, but they can, I mean, they continue to dominate the average cable bill on yeah. the channels you pay for. The average cable bill, $9.42 of what you're paying on average, is going to ESPN specifically. The ESPNs, yeah. Yeah, and if you want to watch top games, you know, you're, you're tuning in for that. You're subscribing to ESPN Plus if that's where certain SEC games are, you know, moving forward, or your team's playing there, or you want to watch a UFC pay-per-view or what have you. So you're, they're still validated by that, and they're still paying those rights fees because that's what you'll go to it for. But yeah, we, we discussed it yesterday. I don't care that they're honoring the U.S. women's national team and, and who didn't receive an award. Last I checked, the ESPYs don't really matter. You know, the yeah, ratings are a failure for the ESPYs. Those are the headlines after the ESPYs every year. They continue to spend and waste a ton of money on this. And this also happened, what, 2017, I believe, was the last big layoff that ESPN had. Trent Dilfer was a part of that. Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell was a part Two of that, Two guys we've had on the show in the last week. Yeah, and, and that was also right before they spent a ton of money on the ESPYs. Um, you know, you I, go back over a decade, and they were spending $7 million to put the ESPYs on. Now, they're raising money for the V Foundation. That's great. They can do that without having to shell out and, you know, cleat chase is what they're doing the validation of everyone that's going to show up and they're showing up because they know they're going to win. That's why they're seated in a certain spot and why they're showing up on what would be time off that time of year, even for major league baseball, uh, why they're showing up to be seen on ESPN, the four letter network. I just think the more mobile sports yeah. brands can get and become and the more talented you can be. I mean, I, I, I'm a believer that good always wins out. That if you're good and smart, then you know you're going to win out eventually. There's so many opportunities now for different brands to not. And I'm not just talking about these 12 individuals who are laid off that could capitalize with different brands. I just I see 
an opportunity for a lot of, of brands we may not even know about right now sure. or are talking about that could sort of rise well, from the ashes of what's happening at ESPN. And I'm not here to declare ESPN dead or the business model totally dead. It's suffering. Their business well, model, because of cord cutting, is a but problem. Also, but if more and more people start going to ESPN+, Plus, it could be a good thing. And also, they're just spending too much. That's a big part of this, right? It's just but, overspending. But as you become a brand, as you build your brand, what happens? Pat McAfee goes to ESPN. Yeah. He takes the $10 million plus annually and goes to ESPN, which they just did last month. Um, so, I mean, on one hand, today is a, a point to their bottom dollar and bottom line. And previous and moving forward, they'll continue to shell out a boatload of money for rights fees and for certain hosts that are going to move the needle and have people continue to flip over to the channel. And it's unfortunate for many. How long has Susie Colbert been at ESPN? Is it like 35 years now? It, or is it that it's long? It's either 27 or 34. For some reason, I've I read those two different numbers, but it may be 34 years. Yeah. She's been there. Susie Colbert is the one oh, on this list yeah. that is getting the most love right now from everyone She's who's excellent. ever come across her and just her personality and attitude towards people. Uh, there's a lot of cool stories right now on Twitter of people who have interacted with Susie Colbert and been inspired by her. Really, really cool lady and great at her job. Uh, I've always been a huge Susie Colbert fan. 27 years, 27, by the way. So. I had the two numbers floating around. I knew oh, it was 27 right. I, I or 34. Was is there someone else that, was, uh, that has been with the network nearly three decades as well? Again, these are big names that are recognizable. Uh, that, you well, know. Jeff Van Gundy's another one there that you gets go. a lot of yeah. – uh, yes. I mean, he is the guy for ESPN, ABC, NBA analysis. Yes. And now the immediate speculation is he's going to walk right over to Turner and join his brother uh, on a call. That now him and Stan Van Gundy, who's at TNT – with their NBA coverage, could be a part of a team. Uh, speaking of Turner, cool moment. I didn't, I didn't watch the match. Did you watch any of the match? I have not seen a second of Same. it. Same. I have seen this on social, though, really cool, with Ernie Johnson. Oh, I uh, did see, yeah. This, who, is the, this was the best part of the match. Hosting this, and this is prior to uh, teeing off. Charles Barkley is uh, a part of the TNT coverage for the match uh, where uh, Kelsey Mahomes uh, took care of Clay Thompson and, and Steph Curry. Uh, by reports easily. Again, you can check the highlights out for yourself. But the highlight of the coverage was Charles Barkley surprising Ernie Johnson with this announcement. Uh, this is big. This is big. I want to be the first. I'm the only person up here knows this. I want to be the first person. It's an honor and a privilege to congratulate Ernie Johnson going into the Sports Broadcasting Hall of Fame. Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Chuckster, what are you talking about? Uh, I, they, they told me, and I said, they said, would you do this? I said, it'd be an honor. It's an honor and a privilege to tell you, Ernie Johnson, congratulations, brother. Yeah. Man, that is, that is awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much. I, and you know what? I'm taking the rest of the day off. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, guys. And whoever, whoever is responsible for that, whoever um, votes on that, I am humbled beyond words. So thank you so much. Means the world to me. I'm... Been at this, been at this for, uh, been at this for 34 years uh, at the same place. Been over 40 years in broadcasting, and uh, I'm stunned. So thank you so much. I appreciate that very much. Ernie is excellent at what he does. That's awesome. That was a perfect moment. Uh, started with uh, Inside the NBA, 1989. He's a six-time Emmy winner as a host, 
And uh, yeah, very deserving. He's the reigning sportscaster of the year as well with, with Scott Van Pelt. Uh, having that honor as well, uh, well-deserved, and, and as, as genuine as they come. In both him and Charles Barkley, as genuine as they come. Yeah, and it's great that, that Charles Barkley got to break the news to him. And I love the, get out of here, Chuckster. What are you saying, Chuckster? I, I, I love Ernie Johnson. Love the rapport they have on that show. Now, this has inspired me to go back and search for 1989 videos on YouTube. <laughs> of what of that was what like. what Inside the NBA looked like. With Ernie Johnson in 1989 they, hosting that show. That you can find uh, Barkley's first episode, first uh, appearance on Inside the NBA. That one's, that one's also a little weird to see. Yeah, I'm sure. As they've added things in. Uh, yeah, but the best part of the match is uh, Barkley's banter. Yes. Uh, uh, for sure, uh, with all that. And Ernie Johnson also uh, he, just uh, historically good, one of the good guys. A, a good human being. Yes. Everyone who's ever come across him, that the first thing they'll say is just how awesome Ernie Johnson is to be around. And so you, you well, can tell well what it meant to him based on his reaction. Yeah. Totally floored with that. Um, and, you know, this is a, a, a very high honor. If you look at the uh, those that have been announced recently, it's like one or two a year yeah, they at don't, most. They don't give that to anyone. No, and, and they do honor others, you know, for certain career achievements, but not into the Hall of Fame. He's certainly there. There will be others, but uh, congrats, Ernie, on the accolades uh, that were awarded to you yesterday. Coming up, Glenn Gilbo with a, a great take at Outkick.com on well, the perception of Georgia, Kirby Smart, all of the off-the-field issues, legalities galore, and... Are they getting a pass? And if so, why? That's next on Hot Mike.